You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us. Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iTunes, iHeartRadio, bam, 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 live on twitcher.tv slash Pride of Detroit. Or it's just on Twitch. I don't know why we have to give out. I, I, I should throw in like the HTTPS in front of it or something. I don't know. I am Christopher. This is a very busy podcast, POD cast day. Uh, everyone's running around. If you're watching us live on Twitch, you see that I'm in a different location. Uh, we are late because of this man over here, Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit Online. And I am Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett. And thus adequate because I'm coming from a new studio. Hello, Jeremy. Hi, and I resent the fact that you said this is my fault. This is the Lions' fault for moving to morning practices, which were very, very nice and very, very awesome to an afternoon practice today at 2.30, which... Threw my schedule completely off, and I had to hustle down here so that for you guys, I hustled for you guys. So I helped you guys. You're welcome. All right. Uh, breaking news on your favorite Detroit sports blog out there that uh, Jeremy is mad that about the Lions because uh, they are inconveniencing him. There'll be a blog post at some point on Detroit sports, flop sweat, Detroit sports uh newser whatever they call it, what whatever it is out there yeah you had a fun conversation gonna... with them <laughs> i didn't i didn't mention anyone by name i didn't mention oh, a yeah. single real name there jeremy nobody. i did not mention mm, that's true nobody 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 <clears throat> uh joining us the third man who has never had a beef with anyone on twitter ryan matthews Back is the rock guy. at ryan underscore pod ryan uh, i'm stealing this one from the chat so mark it off on your bingo cards before we start this is from v- VJ Donda. Before we start, how is Zazu? He's he's good. Thank you, thank you for asking. Uh, but okay. uh, yeah, he got a he got a big scratch scratch on his nose. I don't know how it happened, and it was bleeding a lot. But uh, but we took him to the well. Let's just say we got the bleeding stop because we went to the vet, but the vet did not end up seeing us because they took too long. No one cares. But but I appreciate you. Asking. I'm being adequate because I meant to then I meant to hit the Zazu for you and then go into Ryan Matthews. Let's do the drop again. Back is the rock At Ryan underscore POD. How is Goose? Twice for the price of one. I love it. Goose is doing fine. He ate some nachos this morning uh, that I. Uh, mistakenly left out aka was too lazy to put away and throw away. So he found him on the uh, yeah, he pops his head up when he hears nachos. Um, yeah, so, but yeah, he's doing good. He's doing, if he was doing any better, he'd be you, Chris. Well, apparently people are already mad with the lag, so we'll just, uh, keep, why, I, 
I don't even know how to respond to that any better. No, no, I'm not. You should, Goose should not aspire to be me. He should aspire higher than that, Ryan. I'm currently lower than Goose. Talk nicer about yourself. Talking about speaking nice about people. Let's try to talk nice about Calvin Johnson, something that Lions Twitter have not liked. Someone, Lions Twitter has uh, been very. I, I can't use that word anymore. They, they've been very uh, black and white, back and forth. Jeremy, help me out here. I'm going to get us into trouble. Combative? Combative is one way to put it. I've, I would say hot and cold. They go okay. between really, really, really loving him, but then he says something and all of a sudden, uh, like, look, I, I think the problem is fans need to realize they are not the organization, and Calvin Johnson has beefs with the organization. But guess what? You don't need to defend the organization. The organization bleeped up. So we'll see. We'll see how they fix it. And I think Calvin Johnson's being a little selfish himself. But let's focus on his Hall of Fame speech a little bit. And we're going to talk about more than just him at the Hall of Fame. And we've got plenty of training camps notes. But we start with Calvin Johnson. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It was kind of like a whiplash for Lions fans because on Friday, Dave Burkett put out the report that, you know, uh, the, the details of the deal that the Lions tried to give him and. Um, the, the one he eventually turned down. And then right after that, you know, he, he gets his gold jacket. He has a speech on Sunday. And, uh, you know, I, I thought it was a cool moment. Like, it, it, I think that weekend was something that Lions fans should celebrate. It, it's really cool to see a, a guy that most of us saw play get awarded, get rewarded for for his play, for his his contributions to football so quickly. I mean, he's 35 years old. Uh, I think they said only a handful of Hall of Famers have ever been inducted that quickly, obviously because of his early retirement and all that. but. Um, you know, he thanked the fans, he thanked Lions fans and said he he drew inspiration from them, you know, filling the seats during the 0-16 season that gave him the inspiration to to come every week on the field. Um, but I think the story of his speech and and thankfully this, you know, it, it the, the story of the speech wasn't he didn't mention the Lions organization, which he didn't. The story, I think, of the speech was he used the opportunity to talk about um what has really become his life's calling after football, which is um, finding ways to manage pain after sports or during sports or, you know, anyone who's dealing with chronic pain. I, I, I know some fans were a little bit upset with the fact that, you know, he he kind of, you know, pitched his own primitive line of 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 cannabis things, you know, with a, a, a sly line there. But to me, like he, he he called it his life's calling, like this is something that clearly mattered to him. And we see a lot of Hall of Fame speeches kind of devote um, time to uh, uh, a matter that, that that he really cares about. So uh, I thought it was it was cool to see him not just do a kind of typical Hall of Fame speech and and talk about uh, really a topic that not a lot of people are talking about. Yeah, I, here's my takeaway from from Calvin's speech, and it, it was something I didn't watch until this morning, but a few notes about it. One, I, I really appreciated how heartfelt it seemed like his. Um, his gratitude towards the city of Detroit was yeah. um, the state of Michigan, you know, a place that he mentioned that he, he still calls his home to this day. Um, I, I think that it was a really cool tribute to have all of the players that he formerly played with and coaches stand up so that he could give them all some recognition uh, and, and show that, you know, nobody is, is truly self-made and, and Calvin Johnson certainly, um, you know, showed his gratitude towards all of those people who helped him get to where he was. 
I have zero problem with Calvin Johnson going up there and talking about his life's calling because he's 35 and he's not a football player anymore. He's got he's got he's got other things to do. And for anybody who suffers from chronic pain, uh, they know that opioids just are not the answer. So I uh, I I fully endorse him getting up there and and delivering that message because this is the guy who talked about the injuries that he dealt with when he was playing for the Detroit Lions. Like he talked about the rookie injury that he suffered. We got hit so hard in the back. He couldn't feel his legs. That that stuff shakes you up, man. And and, and that's him as, as a rookie. Yeah. You know, you look at the way Calvin Johnson's fingers look like you look at the, the rest of the injuries that he dealt with. Yeah. I mean, he totally deserved that platform. It is also a conversation that has just been around more and more in the NFL lately. Um, I was just listening to TJ Hushmanzada earlier today, and he was talking about in the context of how many football players don't, you know, are hesitant to get the COVID-19 vaccine. But he said then, you know, you turn during the season or when he played, there were people, there were so many of them lining up to get that Toradol shot. You know, the Toradol going straight almost all the way to your bone to get to, to fight the pain and everything else. It's a conversation that probably has to happen around the NFL. And the way I see it is like, yeah, maybe you could say it was a little self-serving because he does have a financial interest now in that area. But at the same time, we heard it when he was retiring too, that this was a big reason why he was retiring was the pain and dealing with that pain. And then also like, again, I, the, the self-interest aside, it's a conversation that has to be had because this is a beast that's been lurking under the surface on how much these guys have to dull their pain to play every, every Sunday. It's a, it's a, it's a big crisis in the NFL. Yeah. Hey, Chris, did you get inducted to the hall of fame last night? No. Why? Jeremy, did you get inducted to the hall of fame last night? Not yet. Yeah. Not yet. I mean, you'll get that gold jacket one day, buddy, but that <laughs> was Calvin. John- that was Calvin Johnson's night last night. That was, that was his 12 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did want to ask you this, Ryan. Um, You had this written down, and I wanted to talk to you about this. So putting his speech aside, though, and I think this was a conversation to be had, was he he goes in in the Hall of Fame on a first ballot, which I didn't realize at the time is pretty rare for a wide receiver, that there aren't that many. The seventh wide receiver to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, in, in all of history, and obviously we're coming up on on a time where we're going to start seeing guys like Larry Fitzgerald eligible and Steve Smith uh, uh, available to you know um, uh, eligible for the Hall of Fame. But T.O. wasn't a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, where where do you stand on all of this? Because honestly, until you brought this up to me, I never thought that hard about where a guy lands on the on whatever ballot he lands in in the hall of fame i thought that was always like a baseball conversation it wasn't something that really interested me but then i saw how few guys had been first ballot hall of famers at the position Mm -hmm. yeah i i think it's something that i always noticed in baseball just because it was such a it was such a touchy subject and it was something that i think probably bled over into nfl chatter when people just wanted something other something else really stupid and dumb to complain about. Um, (laughs) It's such a weird distinction because like, yes, it's an honor to be unanimously selected to the hall of fame, but people almost tear it in a way that why should Calvin Johnson be a first time hall of famer when Terrell Owens wasn't a first ballot hall of famer. And then you get into this like 
you know, stick measuring contest of like, well, like this guy was this good. He's like in this wing of the Hall of Fame versus like this guy who's in this wing of the Hall of Fame because he wasn't unanimously selected. I, it's just so dumb. It's so stupid. It's just another it's another dumb talking stuff. It stuff it in with legacy talk, legacy talk. It, not so coincidentally, it lines up perfectly with the Hall of Fame. Like, I, it's so I just, dumb. Yeah. And look, T.O. had the extenuating circumstances that just the writers and media people he fought with them and i think that hurt his legacy at the end but but regardless of that i'm with you in this regard nobody is going to be looking at calvin johnson's bus 10 year down 10 years down the line in canton and be like oh yeah he was a first ballot guy that that means much more impressive it's a conversation we have around induction but then it's swiftly forgotten and yeah to me it's it's just it's stupid because you ask anyone who who's arguing he shouldn't be a first ballot Hall of Famer, ask them the same question. Is Calvin Johnson a Hall of Famer? Is he Hall of Fame worthy? Their answer 10 times out of 10? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, if he's a Hall of Famer, if you think he should be a Hall of Famer, you put him in. You say yes. I don't care if it's the first ballot, the fifth ballot, the sixth. If you think a guy is Hall of Fame worthy, you vote him in. Like, why are we playing this game where, well, you know, he deserves, he should wait. He has to wait. Like, well, who gives a fuck about that? Put him in. If you yeah, think and some ballots are more in, cra- Everyone agrees Calvin Johnson changed the game. He was the best wide receiver of his time, if not, you know, second or something like that. Put him in. He's got the most yards in, in a season. He had 330 yards against Dallas Cowboys, second, second most in a, in a game. Everyone agrees he should be in. Put him in. This is a dumb conversation. Yeah, and listen, like you don't want to always play ballots that way too, because some some days it might just be a more crowded ballot than others. And again, look, I Calvin Johnson was the is the spearhead of I think this a, a generation of hall of Hall of Fame wide receivers. Some are going to be eligible faster than others. I mentioned Steve Smith. I you know a Larry Fitzgerald sometime down the line. Whenever Julio Jones retires, he's going to be Hall of Fame. We're hitting this generation of talents at wide receiver, which Calvin Johnson spearheads that they're all insanely good. They've redefined the entire wide receiver position top to bottom. Like Randy Moss and T.O. were kind of the 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 vanguards of that. But this is something completely different. This these guys that came after them. Very, very different. Um, I wanted to talk real quick, though, about the other lion that kind of made it on one of the other lions that made it on Hall of Fame night. And that would have been Alex Karras. Was it veterans? I think it was the veterans committee. Put him in. Yeah, just want to make. So. Okay. Yes. Veterans committee. Um, listen, listen, I love the blazing saddles references, but as someone who loves the history, I don't think there's a better character in the history of the Detroit lions than Alex Karras. Um, wild, crazy out there, combative, uh, we talked about this between breaks about the Evander Kane thing uh, situation uh, on our last podcast, but I mean, Karis basically has to leave the league because he's not. It's not even that he's gambling; it's that the restaurant he owns was associated with gambling. Very different time, and he turns it into a successful movie career, and like he was a beast on the field. And I think that's a cool, like, besides Calvin Johnson, that was the other cool story from Hall of Fame weekend for me, was seeing Alex Karras finally getting his due and his bust in Canton. Yeah, it, definitely something that, that went probably uh, 
unfortunately overlooked over the weekend because Calvin has, you know, so much drama attached to that story. And and obviously, the, I, I know you talk about this a lot, Chris, like people don't maybe not respect is the right word, but don't acknowledge NFL history as much as they should. Um, and and Alex Karras was was a huge part of it. And, and you're right. Like I just the stories you hear, obviously, none of us watched him play, but the stories you hear of, of what the league was like back then and what the characters like him were like back then uh, just kind of makes you wish you you were part of that, that team, part of that media, part of the that fandom back then, because um, that dude, that dude apparently was a, was a big character. Yeah. Speaking of characters, uh, I want neither of you to get upset with me. I've never seen Blazing Saddles. No, that's fine. Well, I feel like it's got to knock it off your list now. That's just on your pile. That's on. We did a scraps on on the wall of shame. That's on your pile of shame, man. We got to get you to sit to watch, sit down and watch Blazing Saddles. Not as the kids would say, a movie you could probably make today. Although honestly, you probably could make it today as long as your tongue in cheek was firm was firmly planted there. But um, what Jeremy best what? Mel Bro- was that the best Mel Brooks movie? Oh, hold hold on hold on. Okay. Ryan asked nicely for me to not get upset over that, but it is physically <laughs> impossible for me to not get upset about that. I thought it something is... happened in chat. Like you were squirming in your chair. Yeah, no, that was, <laughs> I, I, I am the disappointed dad in you right now, Ryan. I'm, I'm, you, I, I almost want to end the podcast right now and just stream wow. blazing saddles for you. Yeah, get because, us kicked uh, off partner. Get us kicked off partner on Twitch right <laughs> yeah. away with that. With some, if you but, get but, uncensored on that. I I know I know I'm shifting back to Calvin for a second here, but I do want to talk a little bit more about the rift really quick. And I know people are probably sick of hearing about it, but the the one interesting thing about the situation now is I going to go away because really, like they're butting heads, they're butting heads, they're butting heads. And, and why are the Lions pushing this now? Because they want to get on his good side before the Hall of Fame. They want to, you know, be be there part of his speech and, and, and be part of the organization where they can they can, you know, celebrate it. And, and the Lions did celebrate a little bit. They threw a party after on, on Sunday, but like they didn't hit that deadline. And so now what? Now Calvin Johnson isn't going to go in front of the media anymore. Right. There, there's no there's no reason for Calvin Johnson to, to really be a part of the media anymore. So we're not going to hear him, you know, give constant updates on, on what's going to happen with this feud. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm interested in see where it goes, because it, it does feel like they're at the stalemate. The Lions offered, you know, a, a somewhat fair offer and Calvin still isn't budging. And I understand both sides of it at this point. And I think both sides are to blame at this point. And with with no deadline now pushing any sort of action, I think it's just the waiting game until yeah, it, it, it might be years that go by before, you know, any anything, any progress is made, because, I mean, let's let's be honest, it took a long time for Barry. And I think I think that's what we're headed for now. Just hoping that that time heals some wounds here, um, because yep. I think this story is going to fade away. It's always a pro. It's always a process, especially in these kind of things. The Lions have unfortunately had to do this twice. Uh, when we come back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast, let's shift our gaze over to training camp. We are highlighting some of the big battles we want to see going into the preseason. We have a first bite coming later this week that's going to properly pre- preview the first preseason game against the Buffalo Bills. And then also we were going to talk about uh, the fisticuffs coming out of camp, uh, getting fired up and getting really fired up. We like it. We like it. Or maybe you don't. I don't know. We'll find out on the Pride Detroit POD cast.
And welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast as we're coming in a little late in the day from various locations. This is the busy podcast, busy podcast because the football season is almost upon us. Um, We're going to talk in a second about about top position battles you want to see for the Lions as we go through August here. But I think to start, Jeremy, we need to talk about some of the big news from the day. And I think the big one is that to replace the injured Corn Elder, the Lions have gone out and gotten themselves Nickel Roby Coleman. And that was kind of the big transaction news of the day. Yeah. Um, I think I think the only thing surprising about this move is that it didn't happen sooner because he was a guy that we circled um way early in the offseason as a guy that would make a lot of sense here. He played three years with the Los Angeles Rams, which means he was coached by Aubrey Pleasant, the Lions' current defensive backs coach. He was acquired by Ray Agnew, who was the director of pro scouting at the time, now is the Lions' general manager or assistant general manager. Obviously, Brad Holmes was there as well during Los Angeles, um, during his time in Los Angeles. And those were also his best years in the NFL. He played very, very well as the nickel corner there in Los Angeles. He kind of... Uh, you know, last year was rough for him when he wasn't in L.A. Um, maybe maybe that just shows you how good Aubrey Pleasant is. Maybe maybe he's aging. I mean, there there's a lot of reasons um, when you get a guy this late in training camp. Obviously, expectations should be fairly low, but he's going to be entering a defense he's familiar with, a coaching staff he's familiar with, and he's going to get an opportunity to compete. The question is, is the job even open, though, because Mike Ford has been taking first team reps at the nickel corner position, all offseason, all training camp. Um, he's looked so-so. He's looked better than he has in the past playing defense. And, and we talked to Mike Ford today, and he seems to be playing with a lot of confidence along with everyone else in, in the secondary right now. Um, but, you know, there, there are times in which he's been getting beat kind of consistently. Amonra St. Brown has done a really good job against him in a lot of situations. And the slot position is just really, really hard to play. So, you know, I don't know if Nickel Roby Coleman makes the team. I don't know how serious Cornelder's injury is, um, but bringing a a veteran in who has played under this defense before, who can, you know, Mike Ford's still a relatively young guy and, and certainly young to potentially playing defense. So um, if, if, my, if that job is still Mike Ford, uh, Mike Ford's to lose, I think bringing in Nickel Roby Coleman will not only push him, but, but teach him. So I think it's a move that makes a, a, a ton of sense. And, uh, one that that I think every Lions fan can pr- probably get behind. Yeah, I, I I like the move from the standpoint. You know, you mentioned Jeremy the Corneller injury, but on top of that, Quentin Dunbar hasn't been at training camp due to personal issues. Yeah, um, that that he's dealing with, and the team is supportive of him. It seems like, and yep. they're you know they're being more than patient with him. So, but until he shows up, I mean, you need to have a body there to take some reps. And uh, the Lions, to me, it didn't seem like they had a quote unquote back like a, a backup plan in case somebody got injured at nickel corner. Like, you know, Mike Ford, like you said, he's been, you know, receiving the majority of the snaps and with Cornell they're getting injured. I mean that literally to me it leaves nobody really behind him on the roster to like to fit in there. Right. Um kind of quote unquote naturally. And you know, you mentioned that, you know, N- Nickel's best seasons were with the Rams. Those were the years where he played the most in the slot too. It seemed like last year he kicked out and played a little bit more outside corner. Um, still played quite a bit of nickel, but he he did play some outside, and and that obviously probably wasn't his strong suit. And also, he was playing on a pretty bad Eagles defense. So, you know, kind of goes hand in hand with one another. I think that he's, I wouldn't say that he's quite a, a lock to make the roster just because he got brought in so late and he got brought in under those like very particular circumstances. 
but he's definitely a guy to keep an eye on because he's a veteran proven track record and has a history with Brad Holmes and Aubrey Pleasant, as you mentioned. The other bit of news that came up was uh, Jamar Jefferson. Uh, Jeremy, you were at camp. I think I, I don't want to make too much out of this just because we, this is a podcast is delayed by tomorrow, by Tuesday morning, by Wednesday morning. He could be right as rain. We don't know. But Jamar Jefferson did come up uh, limping a little bit and had to leave the field. Yeah, I, I got a pretty good look of, of what happened. It was basically a special teams drill. He was he was part of the punt protection unit there, and, and he basically just kind of two guys came came barreling down on him, um, one you know rolling over him, and and he got up and yeah, he was limping. the The trainer was trying to like get him to test out his his lower leg. I don't know if it's ankle or I, I don't want to speculate too much on that sort of stuff. But basically, he asked him to kind of go up on his tippy toes on that leg, and and he couldn't. Um, so he walks off. And I, I think I'll I'll kind of like transition this in into the camp battles section here because RB three seemed like a job that was no longer open because Jamar Jefferson had looked so good. Um, he's a guy who, who's basically been repping with the first and second team because we haven't seen a ton of DeAndre Swift at camp. Um, he's a guy who who's already shown improvement in pass protection, which is the hardest thing to learn for a rookie uh, running back. And you know, aside from maybe a drop pass or a fumble here, I mean. His one cut move upfield is just so quick and so smooth that he I mean, he just looks like he belongs. And I think I think he's separated himself. Extremely far from the rest of the crowd, but now we're kind of an in an interesting situation going into preseason game one, because if this is, a, a you know, even even a mild injury injury, the lines might take it easy with him and not playing on play him on Friday. They haven't been playing DeAndre Swift a lot, so I have to imagine he's probably not going to play on Friday, which means it's going to be Jamal Williams and a bunch of guys that have a ton to prove because Diedrich Mills has not looked good. Um, Godwin Igwebuke, who's who's moved from safety to running back, has not looked good. He fumbled twice today. Um, who's the one guy I'm I'm forgetting? The the one with a third in his name, Michael Warren. Um, no, nothing to say about him, but all three of those guys are going to get extended looks. And, you know, if any one of these injuries, whether it's Swift or, or, you know, any, any, I mean, any injury can pop up. I think they're, they're only going to keep three running backs and, and Cabinda as a fullback. So there, there's a chance that a job could be open and it'll be interesting to see how that kind of plays out in the first preseason game. If, if these injuries kind of linger into Friday, I feel like that well, job you know, is Todd Gurley's to lose, right? I mean, it's possible. At this point, I feel like they've waited too long. Like, I, I, I think the interest just might not be there. Yeah, I feel like if they if they if they were really interested, they would have brought him in by now. I know they really talked him up, but I think you was I think you had mentioned early, uh, a while back, Jeremy, that this was kind of the uh, they had they were kind of doing this almost as a favor to kind of pump up his stock with other teams. And it just that's all it was. I don't think they actually had like actual interest in bringing him in. Because as you no, said, I, I feel I like maybe that changes, though, I, with some of the injuries. I don't know. I, I don't think that's what that was. I, Dan, Dan Campbell has been a pretty straightforward guy since mm -hmm. he's you know been in front of the podium. And he said he said even when, you know, the, the signing didn't happen after his visit, he says we're still interested. It just has to be on, the, on our terms. And to me, that's just he's asking for too much. Well, you well, you mentioned that this is kind of the intro into our uh position battles we've covered rb3 right there because i feel like the top two are basically set yep. uh yep. is there another position that you want to see that uh, th consider this an impromptu list cast like we've got number <laughs> one is 
we'll, we'll, we'll rank these in a second, but we've got RB3 on the list. Who else are you throwing? What other position are you throwing on the list right now? Well, I think wide receiver is interesting. Um, Where in do my you even mind, start it, there, though? Yeah. Well, it, in my mind, I think the six are already set. I mean, obviously things can change, but I, th- I think the lines keep six. And I think those six are Tyrell Williams, Brashad Perriman, um, Amonra St. Brown, Quintus Cephas, um, Khalif Raymond and uh, Victor Bolden. I think those are the six that, that st- stood out the most. And I think I got all six there. Man, um, that, that makes me that makes me sad to hear Sage. You think Sage Surratt ain't making this team. No, I don't. I don't think there's a chance Sage mm. Surratt makes this team if, if based on what I've seen through two weeks of camp. Um, but here here's the, the upside for a lot of the guys that I didn't mention. Quintus Cephas has been out. Um, you know, Brashad Perriman has have, has been out. Um, number 17. What's his name? Uh, uh I need D- to address Damian my Ratley. Damian Ratley. Damian Ratley is out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so again, big opportunities await these guys. Um, we, we've seen, we've seen a lot of Khalif Raymond with the ones we've seen a little Tom Kennedy with the ones today. Um, which, I mean, this is just going to show, this goes to show you like all these injuries present opportunities for these guys to play in like first and second string offenses, which means they're going up against first and second string defenses. And if they can stand out there, maybe they jump one of these guys on the step chart. Maybe they convince lions to keep seven wide receivers instead of six. But to me, it, it, it's it's interesting, but I don't know if anything changes. One interesting note to, to the wide receiver battle that that's interesting to me is that it's almost become that like Brashad Perryman is just wide receiver number two. And it's not even up for discussion, like or it, not even up for discussion, but it's just like he's just going to be wide receiver, two because he's maybe the next best wide receiver. And yeah. I, I don't know if I totally buy that and if anything is going to be super interesting in preseason game one if you know as dan campbell mentioned uh on monday that the he plans on the starters for playing you know the whole first quarter there's going to be a lot of reps at wide receiver and i think that they're probably gonna just rotate in a lot of those guys especially if you know some of them are dealing with injuries and if if it's brashad perryman dealing with injuries that's just it's been his entire career so yeah you know, I, I honestly, I think you're right. I think I think it's something to keep an eye on. I think I think there is a small chance that if things don't turn around quickly for Brashad Perriman, he might be on the cutting board. Like you're you're right that I think it's probably not fair that we're just kind of assuming he's wide receiver two because of his pedigree, because of his draft status, all those sort of things. But he hasn't shown up in camp. Now he's dealing with an injury. Like the Lions need to be prepared in case that doesn't work out. And the the problem is, what's the answer? I just don't know. Is it Khalif Raymond? They, they, I think they'd prefer to keep him on, you know, in the slot. But right now he's being kind of forced into that wide receiver two position. Um, maybe it's Victor Bolden. Maybe someone else stands out in the preseason. But I do think that is something to keep an eye on for sure. All right. So we got wide receiver there. We've got running back three. I feel like there's going to be some questions in the secondary as we get into uh, into these camp battles here. Do you do you put more emphasis, Jeremy, on the cornerbacks depth or do you put it on the safeties room? Well, I think with e- I think you almost have to push them together, honestly, because we know pretty much who the starters are going to be at those positions. You know, it's going to be Will Harris. It's going to be um, Tracy Walker and, at, at safety and Dean Marlowe is probably going to come in on, on certain occasions. And then at corner, we know it's Jeff Okuda and Amani Orwari, and it's probably Mike Ford in, in the slot. 
The depth, it, the depth usually just comes down to special teams, though, and it, it's which of those defensive backs can contribute most on special teams. And so I think C.J. Moore is basically a lock. Um, you, you look at corner and it's, it's a little less clear, right? Like you have. You have your, your, your draft pick in, uh, in uh, I almost said Obi Melifanwu, uh, in, in Ifatu Melifanwu. He's going to make the team. He hasn't made much of an impression both on special teams or um, or defense, but, you know, he's, he's obviously going to make the team. It's just who are those going to be those last guys that kind of fill out the roster? And, and you look, like I said, I think CJ Moore is in. You look at maybe a guy like Jerry Jacobs has been getting a lot of, you know, hype. He's a guy who, uh, as I think I've mentioned before, he's basically been on Jeff Okuda's hip trying to learn as much as he can from him. And that's obviously a, a smart move. Bobby Price is a guy who has been in on like first team special team reps. So I feel like he's definitely trending towards in. Um, but but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if really special if, if, if the defensive back room is, is is really all that interesting to me, because I mean, I'm, I'm just not a big special teams guy. Those guys are important. And, and being good on special teams means you're going to make the team. But um, in terms of guys that will contribute this year, I think we kind of already knows who those guys are going to be. The only thing I have to add to that real quick is I wouldn't be shocked if the Lions wanted to go into the season with Melifanu as almost being like a red shirt. Like I, I, yeah. I, I, I kind of expect them to want to keep him on the sideline as much as possible, unless like it's like in case of emergency. So I can totally see them keeping Nikel, you know, Roby Coleman, keeping Cornelder, just keeping players who can be veterans who can play in front of him rather than you know throw him to the wolves. Something that obviously. Didn't do wonders for Jeff Okuda last year. Yeah. And um, obviously the, the the wild card here is Quentin Dunbar. We just don't know what his situation is. Um, it's obviously something personal going on. And like you said, the Lions seem to be, you know, empathetic to or, towards whatever's going on. So I don't expect is a Mike, cut there, but you just you just never know. Is Mike Ford making the team, you think? Yes. No question. Okay. Not I mean no question. he's he's fantastic in special teams. Um and and he's I, I think he he's starting as the the He's entering camp as the starting nickel corner. I think he stays there. And even if he doesn't, he's going to be on the team for special teams reasons. All right. So, so far we've gotten, um, we gotten secondary done. We've gotten wide receivers. Uh, Ryan, why don't you throw something out here? I'm going to go reverse these. What, what is the position you want to be watching uh, for the depth, for training camp battles, be it depth or whatever. Sure. I, for depth, it's, it's not the prettiest position to care about especially when it seems like the Lions have a lock in both the tight end one and the tight end two spot with TJ Hawkinson and Darren Fells. But there's going to be a tight end three. There's for sure going to be three tight ends on this roster. And I, I would, I, I probably would say that they'd have four tight ends on their roster if it wasn't for Jason Cabinda. But I, I definitely know that they're going to have a third tight end. I don't know who it's going to be. And I don't think anybody knows who it's going to be, but I can appreciate um, and I'm sure Jeremy might be able to uh, elaborate on this a little bit more, but I really appreciated Dan Campbell's like honesty and candor that he had yeah. when he was talking about what what each tight end has brought to the table so far and what they forgot to bring to the picnic. So like, you know, Elise Mack was kind of like the darling everybody came into. They're like, oh, he played with New Orleans. He's, Dan Campbell's just flat out like he needs to contribute on special teams more. Like if he doesn't start doing that, like, He's 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 not like a lock to make this roster, essentially. And, you know, with with, uh, with Charlie T, 
Um, you know, the, the, there's things that he's not doing. So I think it's something that's interesting because while each of these guys bring a little something different to the table, it's it, it's going to be a position that's going to be heavily utilized in the Lions offense. That's why it's an interesting position to me. Yeah, and and Dan Campbell's very clear on Monday morning saying these whoever wins that job has to be able to do both jobs of a tight end, which is block and receive and very adamant about that. And, and understandably so, like. Because you have TJ Hawkinson as your kind of receiver and you have Darren Fells as your blocker, if one of those guys goes down, you need to replace that one and that role. And so whoever that third guy is has to be able to do both. And to be quite honest, I don't know if that guy has emerged yet because Alize Mack, Alize Mack, sorry, um, is a guy who has been really good as a receiver, hasn't really shown it as a blocker yet. And, And like you said, Dan Campbell straight up called out his special teams and said, not only did he say he has to improve, he said he has to improve astronomically. He used that word to describe his own player, which again, like it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's blunt. But I don't it's I I wouldn't even call it insulting necessarily because he's just saying like, first of all, he told he told that to him already. He's not calling him out in the media. He's repeating what he already said to him in the media. And I don't think that's necessarily insulting. Then he talks about Matthew, Wright. He says he's a young buck. He's learning. He's growing. He's smart. And he's like a sponge. He's taking it all in. Didn't really compliment anything other than his smarts, which is is mildly telling. And then he brings up Charlie T. And he's like, wow, that, that dude can separate. He's a really, really good athlete. But then he also said he's maybe the furthest away, which I thought was interesting. Again, kind of a very blunt, honest response to to where he is. He's the guy that intrigues me the most because I think he can do both. And it was also Darren Fels who said, like, Charlie T can mix it up. He can block a little bit. He can. He I think he even said, you know, he play he, he can play a little fullback. And so to me, the guy who maybe is making that balance of, of receiver and blocker is, is Charlie Tamopeo. And I don't know if I pronounced that right, but I went for it. Um, but you're but brave, Campbell man. Saying, Braver than but me. Campbell saying he's the farthest away is also like, I don't know. And, and what he said is he just needs a rep. So if he can show it in the preseason, I think he's got a really good sh- shot at that TE3 job. The interesting thing about Dan Campbell, though, talking about the tight ends today is he left one out. And I don't know if that was an oversight. I don't know if that's a, a sign of what he thinks of Hunter Thedford, but he was not mentioned at all. All right. We got one more room pl- space on this. And Jeremy has been filibustering, I think, because he don't, doesn't want me to make my pick. I'm putting a quarterback two I, on here. No, come on. No, yeah, no I, I think I Tim Boyle's to got a shot. Linebackers are defensive. Tackles. I, I want to talk. I, I think Tim Boyle's got a shot. I think Tim Boyle's got a shot. Unseat well, plow. <laughs> Look, I, I know you don't usually care about the backup quarterback, but if Goff goes like nuclear, it's not that much of a step down. I don't know. I, I don't. Here's the thing. Like, I think Tim Boyle entered camp as the presumed number two. I'm you, starting I thought to it was Blau was number bit. two. I, well, he I had a sluggish I start. I thought he's done a little bit better lately, but it doesn't take much to over to overtake Blau either. Here's the thing. It's just you're going to be seeing. You're, I think you're going to be seeing a lot of both of them in this preseason, and it's all we're really going to get to talk about. Yeah, yeah. You're like uh, how, how, many, how many? How many? How no, many? What? I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> I'm not going. How many? I was going to say. Talk about? No, 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 no. I wanted you to say how many <laughs> reps, how many drives in the first game do you think Jared Goff is going to get? Well, okay. So Dan Campbell said today they're good, starters are going to get it one quarter. Okay, one quarter. One quarter. That's. Yeah. 
that is a lot for the first preseason game. Yeah, and well, they have a shortened preseason schedule, right? And they, yeah. they have to adjust how they would normally would treat the preseason, so they will. With the backup quarterback job, it's it's kind of hard to tell who's in the lead at this point because every day they're they're switching who's their quarterback to, who runs the second team offense, and there, there's no question that in terms of just pure arm talent, arm talent, and and I'm really talking mostly about strength here. Tim Boyle is far better than anybody on the field including Jared Goff in terms of just yeah he's always had strength. those skills too like he, that that's what made him big out of high school and it just he never really we never really got well, that was, through college and that was always he the, was the knock. In college yeah it was horrible for UConn and he's just kind of been um, languishing with the with the depth in Green Bay Lions pick him up obviously um I think I the, the, do you think it's his lose his I just arm is just it it it's it comes out of his hand hot but it could go anywhere on the field there's just the accuracy is just not there. And I it's sometimes I'm out there scratching my head thinking, like, what were these Green Bay beat writers thinking about when they're like, he could beat out Jared? Goff? No, no one on this team is equipped to beat Jared Goff. And I'm not even that big of a, a fan of how Jared Goff is playing right now. I think if there's anything interesting to talk about the quarterback's room, it, it's it's about whether or not they're going to keep three. I that is definitely a conversation to be had. That is okay. That that's where that was my other point I wanted to get to. Like I do think they'd keep three this year. I feel I feel like I I understand that the that the positional slot value of carrying three quarterbacks in a normal for a normal team is usually uh, pretty low. And that I think a lot of people, a lot of fans especially, see the third quarterback as a waste, and it's like, oh, we should just carry two. This isn't a normal year for the Lions. This isn't a exactly a year where I think any of these quarterbacks are going to be competing at that super high level. That I and this is a, still a pandemic year. I would keep three. Yeah, that's what I was I'd say. keep three. Yeah, co- I mean, COVID could have an impact on roster building. Um, you know, if I'm I, if any one of those quarterbacks, let's say, is unvaccinated, like then they're gone for ten days if they catch it. Ten days. You're going to need someone right away and, and sure you could go off the scrap heap and, and find someone, um, you know, and, and, and have them spot start or spot back up or whatever. But that's that's a risk. You want someone who's been around these receivers around in this system. And so you, you could chance it and hope Blau passes through waivers. But we, he I don't, almost got, I don't he think almost that got would happen. The practice. Yeah, exactly. He almost got plucked from the practice squad last year. So that that's a risk. So I think I think it makes sense to, to keep three quarterbacks, even though I don't personally like it. I think in a normal year, I wouldn't like it. But this is, as we say, not normal years for, for both on com- competitive side and on the pandemic side. Uh, when we come back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast, we'll we'll wrap it there. I, I'll give Jeremy a chance to talk some linebackers on the other side because I think I teed him off there. But uh, also, <laughs> we, I want to talk some fighting in training camp. And uh, for me, I'm not as worried. But we'll see what we'll see what everyone thinks about words from the big guy up there. We'll be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Wrapping up the Pride of Detroit POD cast here. Going to keep this one a little short, but first, before I get into what's been happening at camp between a sun god and Melifonwu, uh, we go over to Jeremy, who I did stub him on linebackers, and uh, let's go for it. 
What 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 do you want? I I, I stole. I found saw that fifth spot there for position battles that I want to see, and I stole it from you because I wanted to talk about quarterbacks for once. But hey, come on. What what do you want to say about linebackers? Well, I mean linebackers. Listen, the the lines are making a complete shift in what they want in the linebackers. Right? Gone are the days of two hundred and sixty pound guys, two hundred and seventy pound guys running you know, five, three forties and, and all that sort of stuff. And so, you know, we're, we're seeing a, a fundamental change and we, we know the starters, right? We know that the two off ball linebackers, the two middle linebackers are essentially going to be Alex Anzalone and Jamie Collins. It doesn't look like that's going to change. Those guys have been taking first team reps the entire time. Feel like they're locked in. The interesting stuff is happening behind them though, because Derek Barnes is a guy who unfortunately a lot of people were excited about, but he really hasn't played much at all um, in team reps with the pads on because he's been dealing with a nagging injury. So that's given the opportunity for a lot of guys to, to try to prove himself. Sean Dion Hamilton is a guy who's been really, really good in coverage. Anthony Pittman is taking strides. He was someone that I think people were really fans of when, when he was an undrafted rookie. Now he's got a couple of years under his belt and, and you're starting to see some of that progression. And then just when you kind of counted it out, him out and you're like, I'm not sure Jalen Reeves maybe is going to make this team like COVID has, has held him out of the first week and a half of, of practice. And like, we know he good, he's good at special teams. We know he's undersized, so he might actually fit this defense a little better. But some guys are kind of st- are starting to step up behind him. Maybe he's the odd man out. Well, he walks into practice today, immediately is with the first team special teams, which we know he's very, very good at immediately made a play or two there. Interestingly enough, though, they had him with like the third and fourth team defense, so he's going to have to work his way up there, but he goes out and has himself a sack uh, on on a very well-timed blitz. And so, you know, he's a guy who immediately stood out when he was there, immediately placed into the first team special teams, which I think is very telling about his, his roster chances. So, now that he's back to bump up up the roster, and I I wouldn't call him a roster lock yet, but he's a guy that I think has a very 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 good chance of making the roster. Well, now who of these guys that have been showing out is, is suddenly going to be knocked down? And so is is a guy like Anthony Pittman gonna gonna take that step uh, enough to to make the roster? Is Sean Dion Hamilton, who has a lot of roster experience but but not a ton of starting experience? Um, is he going to be in there? And so I don't know. It's and, and I mean, the one guy I haven't even mentioned is is maybe the most fascinating story of them all. Jelani Tavai. Where does he fit in? And he's been repping with the second team most of camp. On and off success, you know, he had, he actually had two forced fumbles today, but both situations were like, well, you made the play, but you were also kind of out of position. And, and you know, there's a reason why he was that far downfield with the ball. So. I don't know. I don't really have a feeling on how this whole thing is going to play out, especially since Reeves Mabin is, is new to the room. Um, but uh, it, it, it's interesting to me because I, I don't think we're going to see Reeves. Uh, um, I don't think we're going to see Alex Anzalone and Jamie Collins out there for 100 percent of the snaps. Some of these rotational guys are going to get in there and I'm, I'm fascinated to see who wins. All right. Got that out of your system now. You good? I'm good. You're good. OK. Uh, quote from Dan Campbell. I was fired up because they're competing, man. It was good to see them both, two young bucks after it. We had a pretty good idea of Amon Ra, quote, the sun god, unquote. But this is already part of a quote, so I'm setting this up in hell. Uh, What he's capable of. Just when he gets the pad on, he's aggressive. It showed up on tape in college, like this guy will mix it up. 
There's things you see in Ifi, uh, Ifitu Malafonwu in school, but yet I didn't quite know. Just to know he's got a little, hey man, I'm not your punching bag. That encouraged me. It really did. So this quote from Dan Campbell emerges from uh, a blocking drill that happened at Lions training camp where Amon Ross St. Brown and Melifonwu got into it and threw a few punches. And this the quote, once again, set off all the warning bells for all the people in the national media to once again call Dan Campbell a Neanderthal. So that's, this is where we stand right now. However, I will say this. One, and I think Jeremy will agree on this, like fights and training camps are pretty normal. They, they happen on the rag. It's, it's nothing to be ashamed about. It's not a failure of coaching. It just, it happens. And especially you look at Melifonu and Amon Ross St. Brown. I think we talked about this before, but like a lot of the guys, the lions drafted are very much so jokers. And light guys who are just eager and ready to compete, as Jamal Williams would always say, that positive competition. And I think Amon Ross St. Brown is definitely the one with a chip on his shoulder. And Melifonwu, I think, is kind of cut from that. These, I would say, I have my notes, is like, I consider them the two more serious and the more I want to prove it of the the rookies. So I don't see it as any surprise that they got into into it. Not at all. And and yeah, I, th- I think I think you're right. Like the story here isn't that there was a training camp fight that happens. It just does. People are fighting for jobs. People are fighting for attention and, and things happen. Think like that. That's a thing. I think I think the story or the thing that became a story was Dan Campbell's reaction, which which it admittedly was different. I mean, here's the thing. Here, here's here's the thing for me on on. Uh, it is different. Yes. But this is a different coaching staff. We keep saying again, Dan Campbell play the NFL. Dan Campbell play the NFL. Dan Campbell play in the NFL. And in in the in this century, he played in the NFL. He, he I think when he says he's fired up, he's talking about himself in those in those days where he was having to battle in camp and seeing those kind of fights. And yeah, it's not something you want. I, I think this is a situation where maybe Dan wasn't speaking as much as a coach as much as he was just a former player. Does that make sense? That like you yeah. just yeah. I think there's some of that too. And and listen, there there are other parts of his answer that that need to be clear that that weren't you know pictured in a graphic in a tweet that just says I'm fired up because my team's fighting. Like he said, we can't have this happen all practice because then we're not going to get anything done. We can't have it become a a full out brawl because then people get injured. Um, you know, it, you know. He even said like. We, we can't have this in the game, obviously. I don't want any of that. The only part of the speech that I question even a little bit is when he was asked, like, OK, well, how do you make sure something like this doesn't bleed over into a game? Because if if you're encouraging or at least encouraged by I, sh- I didn't say encouraged from fights and he's certainly not encouraging fights, but encouraged by fights. Who, who you know, how how are you going to make sure that doesn't bleed over into the game? And his answer was simple. And he just said, well, we're talking about practice. They won't do it in games. They know they know you can't do it in games. And to me, I don't think it's that simple. I just don't. Because if these guys are like he even said, like, I like when these guys are seeing red 
because I, I I know that they're competing. I know they they care. And when they're seeing red, I want to put them up against each other again because then they're not going to want to get beat by this guy. But here's the problem. You do that once in the game. You see red once in the game. You throw one punch in the game. You don't get to go up against them again and, and show that you can do it without fighting again because you fight once and you're out in the game. And so I don't I, I'm not saying he's conditioning these guys to get that way. But if you're saying it's it's OK, because the second time around they didn't get hot headed, you don't get that second time around. So I'm, I'm not concerned at this point because it's it's basically the only time it's ever happened in two weeks of camp. So it's not it's clearly not an issue right now. But I just didn't like that part of his answer. Yeah, it, it just didn't matter to me. I like. I think either like his response to it, I think was like, as Jeremy kind of outlined, like it was like 99% of what you wanted to hear, but there was just that little, little, I guess, room for doubt or little room for curiosity to, to, you know, pose the question that Jeremy is posing. But I, I don't know if that necessarily needs to be clear as day because I, I'm, I'm, I'm just assuming that these guys as professionals, they know that. And I think that Dan Campbell might assume that of them. Like yeah. these guys know that, like, I, I think that brings it back to his answer that you mentioned, like being a really simple, like, well, it's practice. Like they know they can't do that in a game. Like talking about practice. Maybe this is just one of those things where Dan is like, Hey, these guys are professionals. They're going to know how to handle themselves that way. But then maybe the only thing you see with that is like, well, these guys are rookies. Like they, they need to be kind of shown that way. And, who knows yeah. how they're going to react like in a game situation but they know, or setting, they know from but college not they to, should know not that. to fight too. They, they know from college not to fight too. I think well, for me, the I, way I read, Oh, go on. I was going to say, I think if any, I would just have both Melifanu and St. Brown go talk to Jamie Collins about not getting ejected from games. Don't, don't headbutt refs. Yeah. I, I here, here's, here's how I read this. And this is me being a little, maybe a little too generous for Dan Campbell, but I'm trying to, I, I'm trying to unpackage a few things here of maybe something he's not saying is that when he is saying that he's going to line the guys up again and it didn't happen again, or, uh, some of these, uh, you know, it's not going to happen in the game. He's basically, he's kind of very quietly, maybe to the press he's rep, he's saying like, he's not telling the press he's reprimanding, reprimanding them for fighting them. But I think it's kind of the veiled message to like, hey, I don't want to see this bleep again. Maybe. I, yeah, I, I do. I do think Ryan's point is is interesting. You know, just saying that he he trusts the players to to be adults because he's he's literally said something like that before, right? Like it's the whole you know butt wiping thing. Like this is the whole zeitgeist of the of the entire staff right now is treat these guys like adults. They don't need to be reminded not to fight again or exactly, yeah. be reminded not to fight in a game. They they know they know the damage that will that will be done. Right. And 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 as of now, the players have proven him right. Because this mm-hmm. isn't a big issue. This was one fight, it was a one off there was there was a tiny skirmish between um um McCray and and Decker during the the scrimmage but it was just shoving it wasn't even look I thrown so like yeah there, there does not appear to be a, a big issue at this point so I don't care but listen but yeah, yeah for, uh, between, uh, for for, for, for me for me between given the choice between which do I think is more more of an issue Dan Campbell saying he was fired up because he saw two guys fighting and didn't reprimand them hard enough versus Joe judge making his team run gassers 
Um, I'm going to go with Dan Campbell is the less is the less of the problems here. I think I I don't know. I think Ryan will agree with me on that. We just talked Joe Judge on the gambling podcast. Yeah, the Lions are not the New York Giants. That's for sure. They used to be. Yeah, I was going to say definitely worth <laughs> pointing out that fighting during the last regime got you kicked out of practice. Yeah. And in PJ Johnson's case, kicked off the team, which, by the way, welcome back, PJ Johnson. Welcome back. Welcome back, Cotter. And thank you. I think I think we've got this uh, podcast pretty well wrapped up. What do you say? I think we're good. Dust it off. All right. So preseason, baby. Preseason. So Ryan and I just put out in the feed the other night our second edition of One Leg at a Time, the gambling podcast. Coming out this week, we're going to have first bite. Ryan and Jeremy will preview the Bills preseason game coming on Friday night. I think we're trying to, I don't know if it's going to happen this week, but we're trying to start to make our way back to Sunday uh, for our big recording day. And that's when we'll recap preseason game one. We're not going to do immediate recaps for the preseason. Um, A, because they're really late at night, but also B, and Jeremy has to write, but also B, uh, they're on a, and, and also a part of A, they're on a Friday and I have to work. But also that I just don't think there's some immediacy on the preseason games. And we also want to uh, we also want to, like, see what happens after the game as far as cuts. So I think that's our schedule for this week. Jeremy, do you, are you going to have more notes from training camp? Another I mean, you have that on the feed from week one from the last week with you and uh, Eric. Yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see how our schedules end up working out. But uh, but obviously, we'll we'll have plenty of written coverage on on training camp uh, with our daily observations and things like that as uh, as we go on. Sounds good. I think that's all that we've got uh, covered here. So we're gonna get out. This has been the Pride of Detroit POD cast, and as always, we will see you star side. <laughs>